the comic book pit. Okay. The resplendent domain. <laughs> Nirvana, as it yeah, it's about right. It's about, yeah. I'm um, here with uh, Marcel Walker, a close friend, friend of the show. and um, You've been on the show before, haven't you? Didn't we have it's you been on? a while. It's yeah. been a while, but yeah, I've been on before. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so Marcel and I have been talking about getting together and doing a, a recording or two, and, and he had a great idea, a great topic of conversation, so why don't you why don't you just lead us on into it? Well, hi Pittsburgh and world <laughs> at large and internet and World Wide Web and cyberspace. The interwebs. Interwebs. Just keep going. Like how many <laughs> how many terms are there for all that out there? Gosh. Well, I had I, I got into an online discussion. I got into a discussion on Facebook with a friend of mine recently about uh, about these things we see all the time, these these lists, these lists of characters, lists of comic book characters. Mm-hmm. I had posted one fairly recently. Uh, yeah, the one I had found, which I just found to be intriguing, was the 100 greatest comic book characters of all time. It was, uh, I believe they had published it last April on pastemagazine.com. And it was just intriguing. I found it to be really intriguing because of what I saw as the eclecticism of the characters that they selected. Oftentimes, the characters are just, it's just very rote. You know who they're going to put on mm-hmm. there. And, you know, the fanboy nature of selections is just is super obvious. But this one, I felt like the characters, it was it was a, it was a nice mix, you know. And, and, you know, it wasn't entirely predictable. And some of the characters were very, it was very unexpected. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, so, you know, that had been on my brain. Well, another friend had posted a list that he had found, and the one he found was the 50 greatest superheroes in comic book history, and this was on a site called bamsmackpow.com. That one was also intriguing. Now, the criteria was a little different, because that one focused specifically on superheroes. The other one had all kinds of heroes and villains and Mm -hmm. American characters and international characters and just all sorts of interspersed. This one kind of was specific. But uh, it focused on these on superheroes. Now, what I found intriguing as a, cor- a correlation between the two lists was the top three characters were the same, with the order just being slightly different. But it was, yeah. a, and, and I knew it. Like when I got to the top of both lists, I was like, I know who they're going to be, and they were right, and it made sense. And I, I, in my mind, it kind of validated both lists. Like, okay, they're both, they're both on the same, the same wavelength here. I'll, now that second list, that fifty greatest superheroes one, though, led to a an interesting little dialogue that I had online with 
another friend who had gotten tagged in the same post who felt that there was a character that had been left off that should have been included. And he felt that, that character should have been included pretty highly. Not just included, but, you know, maybe put in the top five. I felt like that was just completely not the case. Like, And I felt like, I don't know if that character had been even in contention for being on there, but I felt like it was the complete right call for him not to be on and that you know and even if he had been no way should this character have made it into the top five so we had a bit of a back and forth about it it wasn't heated or anything it's just but it was kind of pointed sure it got me to thinking about well what are the criteria like what how do you come up with true objective criteria for determining one a great character and then specifically a great comic book character and then if, I guess if you're going to narrow it even more a great superhero like what makes an iconic superhero a greatest of all time well I I think the the important distinction and I, you already mentioned it but just to, to put a point on it again is that the, the distinction between these two lists is best comic book characters that was the 100 best comic book characters just overall and then 50 best superhero characters. Right. So it, it's two very, very different types of lists. And so the, the criteria are going to be very different. You know, like the, the, the one that immediately comes to mind for me as an example, um, number 98 <clears throat> is Susie, who's mm-hmm. in Sex Criminals, the main character, one of the two main characters in Sex Criminals. Um, I've read the first trade of Sex Criminals. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Do I consider her a great comic book character? Maybe someday. So I, not. I mean, not after reading one collection, or I mean, it's or eight issues, eight or nine issues, whatever it's up to now. It hasn't even reached really a full year mm-hmm. of issues. So my problem with a list like, uh, well, first of all, a hundred great comic book characters. I feel like after the, you know, it, it would get watered down mm-hmm. after a while. So I think, sure, this a list of this length will allow you to take a lot more, you know, take liberties sure. with who you're going to add in. But, you know, a character like Susie, I don't feel, has earned a place on this list. And, and you, what you just said, you know, there's a difference between a character being a great character... And a character being a greatest of all time character, or a mm-hmm. you know, or greatest in, you know in the history of type of character, because the main element in both of those, you know, one criteria I think you just must have is time. You know, sure. and if you have a character that's been around for less than a year or two, how can you conclusively say this is one of the best characters of all time? You know, and and. You could extrapolate that out with other media, you know, like if you have a television show that's been on the air for, you know, half a season, you you know, you may emotionally be really, really vested in that show. You may really love the show. You might love that show more than any show you've ever seen mm-hmm. in that moment, but how do you say this is one of the best of all time? You have to have some time pass to see if it really merits that, because they're that kind of a, a label. There have been many things that I've loved a lot at the time and then look back later and it just I don't have the same kind of regard or feeling or affection for it. Yeah. And that's a, I think that's kind of an example of that. Well sure, you could you know, using the, the, the television analogy, 
take a show like the the original Law and Order, which mm-hmm. most people forget was on the sh- on the air for like twenty years. It's I think tied still with Gunsmoke as one of the as the longest running yeah. dramatic series on TV. I I love Law and Order, and it has nothing to do with the fact that it's been on for twenty years. But I respect that it was on for twenty years. But then look at a show like Breaking Bad, which was on only five seasons, and is highly regarded as you know, arguably one of the best TV dramas of all time. Right. So, again, what makes one better than the other? Is it quality? Is it longevity? Is it, it's, a, it's you know, somewhere, you know, in between? Um, There's a lot of criteria at work. Yeah. And, yeah, it got me to thinking, like, well, what would my own criteria for something like that be, you know, in determining a greatest of all time? How do mm-hmm. you determine, you know, how do you want, does one objectively say, well, this character can make a cut and that doesn't? And, you know, there's gut instinct for to a degree. <coughs> but, you know, then you know, if we're going to focus on either of the lists, you know, okay, let's say the 100 greatest comic book characters of all time, first of all. Well, you know, that's a pretty broad category. You know, there's a lot of characters that can fit that bill, because then it becomes more than just superheroes, and to that list's credit, it was far more than just superheroes. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, and it, you have... <laughs> Lion Cat from Saga. Right, right. You know, you got, you got, uh, you know, you got heroes and villains, you got comical characters, you've got dramatic characters, you got superhero and sci-fi characters, and and mythology and like that's that's just a, a, a huge kind of catch-all, mm-hmm. and it's obviously even a hundred greatest characters list of all time is going to be Archie Andrews, I, and and that was a good one. I for, I think now Archie came in at what is that seventy nine? I think Archie should have rated much much higher. Archie should have been in the top ten. I was going to say yeah, at least top twenty if not higher. Mm-hmm. Because Archie. Archie is a character, and then if you want to broaden that out a little bit, Archie as the figurehead for this group of characters, you know, that's a character that has been around since as, about as long as Superman and Batman, and mm-hmm. you know, the, like these original Captain America, Human Torch, since the inception of what we think of as American comics. Yeah. So the longevity task, he's passed that with flying colors and beyond, you know, so that. And, and and right now, the Archie line of comics, they're publishing some of the most avant-garde stuff out there. Yeah, they're really taking a lot of chances, a lot of risks, and it's paying off for them. Yes, indeed. You know, after was it Afterlife with Archie mm-hmm. and the... the uh, Kevin Keller. Mm-hmm. Kevin Keller. They've got... They're they're looking to, to have a new television series, you know, some produced sometime soon, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's a new Sabrina comic series in the works. Like... Archie and the Archie titles are still really, really viable. I, I had somebody, a, a local artist I know, actually, fairly recently, in the last few months, the character came up in a discussion, and he, and he said, you know, who's reading Archie anymore? And, <laughs> and I thought, obviously you're not plugged in right. to what's going on in comics right now, because a lot of people are reading Archie. That's a completely viable character, as viable now as it was at the inception. And Archie was included on that list. Archie needed to be on that list. Like, I think he needed to be much, much higher, but he is on the list. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, the longevity quest, uh, aspect, you know, down cold. Uh, you have to look at the archetypes of these characters. You know, the Archie characters, you see those archetypes reflected in 
other other characters, other media, mm-hmm. uh, the nature of those relationships. You know, Wayne, Wayne Wise, for anybody who doesn't know Wayne Wise, and who in the world doesn't know who Wayne Wise is at this point? Talk about not being plugged in. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Get plugged in, world. Wayne-Wise.com. You'll, he's great. You'll read the stuff. <laughs> Wayne's a big Archie fan. Uh... And he'll go. He can go on at, at, at much more length than, than me, much more scholarly length about it. But the one thing he he brought he brings to attention in like his lectures and stuff is the classic Spider-Man tri- uh, uh, triangle. You got Peter Parker, Mary Jane Watson, Gwen Stacy. That's basically the Archie Andrews triangle. That's Archie, Betty, and Veronica. That never that never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. And. and this is getting outside of this discussion just a little, not much though. But uh, Marvel Comics, you figure, what made them great at their inception was they weren't just superhero comics. Those were they were that, that was every genre just kind of housed in superhero mm-hmm. clothing. So it was it was interpersonal relationships, it was romance, it was horror, it was sci-fi, it was all that, just kind of with capes and masks. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man was it was very much a romance comic, and yeah, you had it was that that tri- that love triangle at work. So you know you have the Archie archetype playing out in a completely different genre, but it's it's there. So you have there's a lot of factors to take into account with that. Like Archie is a viable character, and a lot I think a number of these characters are completely viable. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just one outstanding one. Uh, and and the list isn't conclusive. It can't be conclusive. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I was scrolling through it and seeing who else they had and what was being... And there was, there's a number of characters in there that, quite honestly, I'm just not familiar with. Well, that's the other thing. I was, I was about to say that, you know, this list is going to be subjective based on your history, your personal history with comics... Your sense of nostalgia, right? You know, you, you know. I, I know people <clears throat> that have only ever read Marvel and DC comics. They've never stepped <clears throat> beyond to read any independent comics, any black and white comics. And there's nothing wrong with that. But no. you know, but but there, but you know, if, if you ask like <clears throat> my friend Mario, you know, Mario, mm-hmm. yeah, he's only ever read. Um, like I said, just predominantly um, Marvel and DC. Maybe a few over the years, you know, a few things here and there that weren't. Um, I tried uh, several times to introduce him to uh, Invincible. Mm-hmm. Um, Invincible is a great superhero comic, or at least it was when I when it started. I have differing opinions about it now, <laughs> but when you know when it first started with like the first one or two years of it, it was it was just a straight up a great superhero comic. Sure. So, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, in this day and age, you know, someone can create a new character, an independent creator, an independent character, and still have it thrive and succeed and tell a good story and be consistent with art, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I feel like, you know, Invincible belongs, and, and he is on this list. He's number 75, um, which I think is great. But... But how many people, again, how many people have read Invincible? You know, so this, and so like this, whoever compiled this list, is it 
one person? Is it a bunch of people? I think both um, lists were compiled by groups of people. And mm. and somewhere in there, they, they I think both lists even said how... Oh, it it says big paste staff, yeah. Yeah, how they, they came to their, their conclusions. You That's a perfect segue into what I think is another criteria that that you know for both lists that would apply which is popularity mm-hmm. uh you know there's longevity of course longevity and popularity i think they they play hand in hand because you're not going to have sustained longevity unless you're popular mm-hmm. and and you know and with most of these characters popularity can wax and wane over time you know especially when you get to bigger, more well-known characters, you know they can go through periods where they're really, really prominent in in our media, and then then periods where they're not so well well utilized, not not as out there. Mm-hmm. But you know, just step back just a second again for Archie. You know, with Archie, that's a character that even if you're not reading Archie comics, you know who Archie is. Right. You know, popularity is 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 a, I think is a big part of this, and, and it should be. And then you know you can look at, or if we're talking, if you're talking about popularity just in comics and amongst comics aficionados and participants, or you're talking about popularity in a larger sense, you know the the general public that's maybe not reading comics these days but is aware of certain characters. And you know I think the the middle ground that you could take with some of these characters in terms of you know what who is an iconic character or who is you know a greatest of all time. I feel it has to be characters... Well, for this, you know, for 100 greatest characters of all time, you know, in general, that's going to be characters in comics. You're reading comics. You're aware of comics. Mm-hmm. Characters Invincible, I don't feel like they've made that kind of leap yet. You know, they're right. not... The greater public still doesn't know that they exist. Exactly. Um, does that mean that they shouldn't have a place there? Because maybe, you know, comics fandom, you know, they might have... a But like you said, there's a lot of people who read comics that aren't aware of that character. You just scroll past Kevin Matchstick. Uh, from Mage. Sure. And, you know, do I personally think Kevin Mastrick is a great character and deserves that inclusion? I do. And, you know, for, for what he represents. And that book is popular. It has fans. You know, that's a thing that was published intermittently. Mm-hmm. But it is, it has maintained a level of fandom. So, you know, but then there's those characters when you've exceeded the boundaries of the medium. People who don't read comics, but they know that character. I think that counts. That should count towards something. Um, so, you know, there's two criteria. You know, what is the level of popularity and what is your level of longevity? Now, that, that mm-hmm. character that I was talking about that spurred that discussion with uh, my friend... There are, if you know know some comics, you know that's a, it's again. I'm not naming it specifically because we we agreed that we were going to get together for drinks and <laughs> gotta talk about it more at length. So, uh, but you know the character he he was championing does not have that. You know it doesn't have doesn't have popularity to that degree and doesn't have uh, longevity. So you know that's in my mind that's kind of two strikes against its inclusion in a list like this. Yeah. And even the fact, and again, not to get too specific, but this character's had, I don't want to say a resurgence, but it's it's been it's been reprinted, and you know, it's just you know, so you would think, oh, it, you know, surely it'll have a resurgence, but it really hasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we were talking about that the other night, where you know, it's like more people talked about this character before its resurgence than after. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I, I think, and that that goes back to just 
your nostalgia for a certain character. Um, you know, like I, I passed um, uh, the Beast, mm-hmm. Marvel's the Beast, who is an X Man Avenger. I like the Beast. Is he, you know, would I classify him as a best mm. character? I don't think so. I, but that's me. So I, you know, and or um, Galactus. I mean, there have been some great Galactus stories, but so and I think this almost you can almost dig deeper and like what qualifies as a character, right? You know what? You know, is it enough for for Galactus just to show up and say, "I'm going to eat you," and the Fantastic Four repel him time after time? You know, but has there really been like a good Galactus story, like by him, you know, has there been like a Galactus sitting around being introspective and a, a good story? You know sure. what I mean? Like, so what? Galactus more is MacGuffin than his actual. Character. Yeah, he's more of he's more of a, a, a you know, a, something to progress a story. You know, he's he's. I that's and that's an interesting point because I. Like I'm, I'm okay with Galactus being on our greatest all-time list just because that name, the name alone, is full of so much. Just there's so much inherent in it. You know, mm-hmm. you just mention it, and you know you, there are certain expectations that come to mind for mm-hmm. a story that's going to have that character. But that's that's a very good point. You know, do, is there are there any stories that just follow Galactus? I don't know. You're you're scrolling through the list here, and I'm, I was mm-hmm. I was looking at other characters. There was. Uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. You know, we're in regards to popularity. You know, th- this list, the 100 greatest characters, comic book characters of all time. You know, it includes a lot of international characters. Mm-hmm. So these are characters that may not be so well known here in the states, but they are, you know, very, very well known in the countries from which they come. And you know, popularity, uh, longevity. There's also influence, and you know those. There's there's characters you have to look at like their, what have they influenced within the genre? Mm-hmm. And Lone Wolf and Cub, you see the influence with that bubble up all the time. The first person I think of when I see that is Frank Miller because I would say Frank Miller, yeah. It's kind of overt in a number of his works. You know, you look at Ronan and his Daredevil work in particular, and you just mm-hmm. totally see there's you know he was he was extrapolating out from what he had absorbed with that all over the place. Um, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> I mean, and the, and I think that these are those are valid choices. Those need to be on there. These are characters that uh, you see their archetype pop up again and again, and in mm-hmm. and, and, and the stories they've been utilized in again and again. You know, one of the characters that that's on there that I was pleased to see make the cut. Like it would have definitely been on my list of 100 greatest comic book characters of all time, but I, I I don't know if I would necessarily have say it needed to be on anybody else's. Uh, the character Tommy Monahan from the book Hitman, right, which was written by Garth Ennis, drawn by John McRae for almost the entire run. Mm-hmm. I used to love that book. I was yeah. kind of obsessed with that book. You know, it's a great book. It, the character was one of the few that came out of, what was the DC, the crossover thing oh, they did? Oh, Blood, Bloodlines. Bloodlines. Yeah. Because yeah. they had a bunch of characters, and that was one of the very, very few that stuck. And so I had the, the I think I had the issue that he had debuted in. It was, it was, strangely enough, it was like the Demon Annual. Yes. It was all, it was, it, that was their events where it was every annual produced a new 
hero from this alien invasion that infected a, a per, someone that they, cre- they they and that's how they created the new character mm-hmm. and Tommy Monahan was the only one that really stuck. Yeah, he got what his I remember. own book and that was it ran for about 50 issues. Mm-hmm. And as fate would have it, so I picked up an issue of I, I wasn't reading the demon at the time, but I, I happened to pick up an issue because I was I was intrigued by the cover, and it might have even been the I think it was the last issue of the run because it, it showed Jason Blood and he's I think he's standing on the demon on the cover, and so in that issue Monahan played a role in in the story, and I got to admit I was fascinated by this character who really just he was a supporting character but I, he the character just had so much personality i felt like he just burned off the page not that long after his own book started and i started and i bought it from the first issue and i loved that book i loved that it existed squarely in the dc universe like tommy monahan and his his supporting cast lived in gotham city um so they they established early on in the book's run, like immediately, because Batman guest starred in the first couple mm-hmm. issues, that it was in Gotham City, and, and, and to give you a sense of the space and the world. And then for the most part, they just let the characters run amok. And, and you know, when they, it was interesting, they would have these big events in the DC Universe, and you get to see it from more of a sort of kind of everyman... Like a street level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, he, and he was a very much an... And every man, he you know, he had like he didn't have great. Well, he wasn't like super strong. He couldn't fly. He could just he had X-ray see, vision. Yeah, he could and see. he had telepathy, which if he used it, gave him migraines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he he really didn't get a great power set. He was already a hitman, right? Or kind of a thug. I don't want to say thug, but he was just just a guy. And but yeah, so this it, like it was great because it allowed you to see. You know, the superheroes and their universe from a completely different perspective, mm-hmm. and it was hilarious. But it was—I mean, it was great. But it, it was hilarious. It was touching sometimes. I mean, they had one of the best Superman stories of all time. I remember that year being so impressed that they—they uh, <laughs> they had a better Superman story than any of the Superman books that year, <laughs> and it was written as a tribute to comics writer Archie Goodwin, I believe, who had passed away that year. And it just it was so wonderful. And of all and of all books in Hitman where, you know, there's a book centered around a hitman and his supporting cast. It was it was a crazy book, but I, I love that thing so much. And the main character, Monaghan was I felt just a vastly underutilized protagonist. But also I think that was very much a Garth Ennis character. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else could have written him as well as he did. Um, I and obviously see I'm a fan. I loved I loved the character. I loved the book. I loved the run. He, the character would have definitely made the, my cut of the hundred greatest characters of all time. I was pleasantly just surprised to see that he made the, this list. Uh, if only because that meant that there were other people out there reading it. Because I was so crazy at right. the time. I remember buying five extra, extra copies a month at the store where I was getting it from. And telling the, telling the guy, like, ordering them and say, hey, buy five extra copies and have those on the stands every month. If those don't sell, I will buy them and give them to people. I was obsessed. I had letters published in the book. and Really? Oh, yeah. I was, oh, my. You, uh, yeah, I was kind of, I was a fan. <laughs> but. Finding out a lot about you today. <laughs> I 
when I'm when, when I'm worked up, when I'm enthusiastic about a thing, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know, which of these characters get us enthusiastic? I and I recognize. Uh, and if anybody out there who listens to this is just curious about the character who I'm dancing around, like who is this character that, that you felt didn't make deserve to make the cut? You know, write me or whatever, and and I'll tell you. Um, it's just like I said, we're gonna we're gonna get to, my friend and I we're gonna get drinks and we're gonna talk about but, it a little but more. That character is listed on the hundred best, but not the fifty the hundred best characters, but not the fifty mm-hmm. greatest superheroes. Right. So we could. We could touch on that real quick. That's true. Um, now, the thing I liked about this was they actually... Um, whereas the, the first list felt more com- um, composed out of uh, just, you know, the things we were, we've were we been talking about up to this point. You know, nostalgia, longevity, things like that. This is... They actually assigned point values mm-hmm. to this, which I thought was interesting. It was... Um, yeah, it doesn't say like what what they assign the points to, but they considered longevity relevance at the time of their creation and today, influence on other heroes and impact on other forms of media, etc. So, and and that's important what you just said the impact on other media because with a lot of these characters, you know, they've made the jump <clears throat> and. I think it's valid to take that into account. You know, you mm-hmm. could make the argument that if you're if you're if you're evaluating a comic book character, you know, you should be looking at them in terms of their media. But I I think you have to look at how they've exceeded that genre, that the 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 media they were created in. You know, Sherlock Holmes is a literary character that is now way be- more people know Sherlock Holmes now from his other incarnations than from his original books, which were created quite some time ago, so mm-hmm. it only makes sense that people would gravitate to these other incarnations. I, I know, I, I just, uh, I was on a podcast earlier this year, or last year, <coughs> with someone who's a, a huge Spider-Man fan, not so much the comics, you know, more from other media, the movies and everything. So mm-hmm. that I, I think that's valid and important. Captain Marvel. Yeah, you know, I that, that there are uh, some, you know characters on this list that I don't believe were on mm-hmm. the other list. Um, the the one that really stands out um, is number forty nine, which is North Star. And at first, it, like, I'm like why North Star? And then I forget about the whole like he was the first. He was pretty much the first superhero to come out as homosexual, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note about North Star too. You know, when when he was originally in, introduced in the comics by John Byrne, you know, North Star has been gay since his inception. Mm-hmm. It's only later on, much later on, that it was just made a formal and official, and that the character came out, so to speak. But I, I remember John Byrne. I remember him writing as early as like 1984, 85. I remember him writing in a. a, a or, or in being interviewed, and he said, you know, he would get letters about the book from female fans, typically, who had questions, they would, and they would ask him, like, is, is North Star gay? And, like, yes, <laughs> he is. So I knew early on, because he said that, but, yeah, his, his importance as the first noted gay superhero, you know, that's important. Um... So there's yeah I mean I guess you could say there's also social criteria for what makes these characters mm-hmm. you know important and greatest of all time as well. Um, 
Now, I just have a personal problem with the Scarlet Witch because I think all she does is just mess things up. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's that. I think she's terrible, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, no, there's some, I mean, um, some really great uh, entries in this. Um, and I like that they, it feels like they they really went the, the extra step to, you know, really spell out why they think these, you know, the the 50 greatest superheroes are, are why, you know, why they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like reading the essays. Like, both lists have little essays mm-hmm. on their the characters they chose, um, but they are interesting to, to read because they give you some insight into why they chose whoever. Um, and what what's interesting with, so the 50 greatest superheroes list is it's dominated by mainstream characters, DCs and Marvel's characters. Mm-hmm. So there's there's one big difference, um, and in that in my mind that makes sense because quite honestly, most of the more well known and iconic superheroes they're DC and Marvel superheroes, mm-hmm. and that's they've I mean they they've trademarked the word superhero jointly. Yeah. So you know okay, which is still crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but. Um, also, a number of those superheroes that they list, it's not just the character. It's kind of like the overarching name, like because especially with the DC characters, you have you have legacy heroes. So you have a name, and then there's several iterations mm-hmm. of that character. So, you know, when they refer to Robin, for instance, who was I think number twelve, you know, Robin, they're they're referring to all the Robins, Robin collectively, and you know, would I have done it that way? I honestly don't know. I think there's some merit to doing it that way. I think there would have been merit to doing them individually as characters. I was I was a little disappointed that they didn't spotlight Dick Grayson and well, he got, Tim Drake. He got and, spotlighted as Nightwing. That's true. That's true. You're right. I, then I then then I will backtrack and say Tim Drake because he was my favorite Robin. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I liked. I, I think I missed out as. Um, I wasn't reading when Dick Grayson was Robin. I, when I started reading in the mid '80s, he was always he was already transitioning to Nightwing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of missed the Dick Grayson Robin. I knew Dick Grayson was Robin for many years, but he wasn't my Robin. Right. Tim Drake was my Robin, and he he was one of the uh, best characters. I mean, the most fleshed out and um, you know, he, it's like he had the the brains, and he had you know the abilities, and he was you know just a natural successor to the you know the role of being Robin. Right. You know, he was you know perfect. Um, well, and I think in that regard, it it probably was the smarter choice to roll those characters up and discuss them collectively because <clears throat> you're going to have that. You know, like number seven on that list is the Flash. That's definitely a character. I mean, because you go all the way back to the Golden Age, Flash, Jay mm-hmm. Garrick. I don't know if you have many, if any, comics readers that really, and, you know, not counting stories where he's been utilized since then, but like original stories with that character. I don't know if you really have anybody online who, you know, really was couldn't remember being passionate about that when they were a kid. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, you know, I grew up mostly reading with Barry Allen as the Flash. And, you know, that was, for me, that was a character I wasn't necessarily passionate about, but he was there. And, you know, so I collected it off and on and read it. And, you know, very (laughs) out of it and make an impression on me, I think, 
until like with a lot of reasons until he died in the crisis because that was a big deal. <laughs> um, so that's uh, and that's interesting not to interrupt, but the same thing like Wally West was my Flash. Mm-hmm. You know, I again I knew Barry Allen was the Flash, um, but you know I didn't start like I started reading Mike Barron and Jackson Geis's right. Flash from uh-huh. issue one, and that was my Flash. You know, that's yeah. What's fu- now with, with that series? I came into that a little later. I, I remember the specific issue that I bought. Uh, it was when Mike, Mike, uh, excuse me, when Wade was writing it, mm-hmm. and Wade was writing it. Ringo hadn't quite started. He hadn't quite started drawing it yet. I think Geist was still drawing it. But there was a cover by Ty Templeton that caught my attention, and I picked it up. And I remember just being. The story captured me. Like, this was written really well. And then I started reading it. That's one of the few books that I can honestly say the art didn't really do much for me, but the story really did. Like, the right, it was so well written. I kept reading it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then once, when Ringo stepped on board, it just, it was perfect. I always felt, and I still feel that was just a perfect, perfect book. And the, the character of Wally West became very clear to me. Um, and and then you know because again the Flash being a legacy hero, you you it, it just had some weight there that a lot of characters don't have. It was a different kind of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, the other reason that that he used my Flash is because the the way his character was, the way he started in Flash number one, to, you know, throughout the progression of that series was was really interesting to me, um, even as a young reader, because he. When like Flash number one started, Barry or I'm sorry, Wally, you know, was not comfortable being the Flash. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, I feel like everyone expected him to be the Flash because he was Kid Flash and he was the sidekick, and he was expected to take up the mantle, which he did to honor Barry's memory. But he was not comfortable doing so, and he was he was kind of a jerk yeah, when it started. He was. He wasn't. He, yeah. he didn't want to be the Flash. He felt this giant weight on his shoulders. He, it's like he he had trouble navigating what he was supposed to be. I mean, he, and and the first few issues he was, uh, he was looking for ways to capitalize on being the Flash. You know, he was trying to, um, not make money, but you know he's you know someone. You know, there was one issue where he had to run across the country to deliver um, an organ. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was like only he could do it because there was this, I don't know, some terrible storm or something that they couldn't fly it. So he said, I'll do it, but I want free health care. He says, because <laughs> this doesn't, you know, being the Flash doesn't pay my bills. And if I get hurt, you know, in a battle or whatever, I want you guys to fix me for free. And they're like, well, I guess we have no choice. Like, they were kind of taken aback. Like, I thought you were supposed to be a superhero. And he's like, yeah, but it doesn't mean I'm rich. It doesn't come with benefits. So I was like, wow. Like, that was my first, like, <laughs> wow. He was, I mean, but there was truth to that. Mm-hmm. And, but as, like, a teenager, I was like, oh, man, the Flash is kind of a dick. <laughs> but it was cool. It was different, you know. Well, and he had, he had genuine personality. Yeah. And. Yeah, I always felt Barry was a little because they, they, dry. They didn't do much with, in that regard. Like, really, there, there wasn't that much distinction Personality-wise, between a number of particularly DC's heroes, I think that's you know that goes without saying. Marvel, 
pretty much established character traits and things early on. You know, Peter Parker is not Johnny Storm, and Johnny mm-hmm. Storm is not Stephen Strange, etc., etc. So they had a lot more distinction between their characters sure. versus, you know, I think now in year, later years that's changed. You know, a lot with DC. You know, I, I yes, the worlds are very different, the universes are very different, but. You know, you have when you have the same creators working for both companies, and that's been the way for decades and decades. You know, they're doing the same things, mm. so you're going to have characterization difference. You know, you're going to have all that. I do think that Barry Allen has since become an intriguing character in and of his own right, and you know, now that characters has again jumped media and in that fifty greatest characters superheroes list, you know, they factor in a lot of how these characters are perceived in you know by the, by the general populace mm-hmm. in their you know their greatest stature and you know right now the flash is in this really really popular and in my opinion exceptionally well done show I agree so you Which know just got renewed good for a second season love that show yeah love 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 the flash love that's like my favorite superhero show maybe ever it's very impressive like it's only you know what like eight, nine episodes in or something, it's definitely one of my favorites. My line of choice with that show is, well, the Flash show hit the ground running. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I have to edit that one out. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Internet World. But, you know, that's a character... Well, and they, they were very overt. They said on that list, you know, some of those characters like Thor and Iron Man, these characters placed higher on the list now than they would have before because... Their profile has risen in the outside world. Their household name. Mm-hmm. Because for years and years, you know, and, and Iron Man and Thor specifically, you know, they were they're founding Avengers. So like, if you're into Marvel, into comics, and and my belief has been for the longest time, one of the things about being a comics fan, reader, aficionado, the thing with comics culture is it is ruled by continuity in every respect. Continuity of character, continuity of story, continuity of creators, uh, continuity of the history of the publications. Continuity is the word. Like, I associate continuity with comics, like nothing mm-hmm. else. So, you know, if you're familiar with the continuity of Marvel Comics and that world, because, you know, from the beginning, they were creating a universe Yes, Iron Man and Thor, these were founding characters. They are important in that world. By and large, they weren't they weren't like that important. You know, they weren't yeah. like top top tier characters. They were they they had books of their own. They had long-running series of their own, but you know, no, it wasn't until Iron Man came out. And I say that with all due respect for people who are super fans of those characters oh, yeah. because by all means, if you love that character, you are you, you, that is that's good, and you should, and I would never detract from him that but, way. No, but but you have to admit, even up to a certain point, up you know until the Iron Man movie came out, if you said Marvel Comics, you thought Spider Man, Hulk, Captain America, mm-hmm. most likely in that order. Um, you know, and then like your next tier, like some people might know the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. Silver Surfer, um, Doctor Doom things like that, but, I mean, it wasn't until Iron Man came out, when, you know, people who, and I, I'm sure if you're like me, if you're you're the, you're the resident comic book guy, you know, in a group of friends or family, <laughs> people will come to you and say, yeah. hey, what's this I've been hearing? 
when they started announcing, you know, a, a high-profile Iron Man movie starring Robert Downey Jr., written and directed by John Favreau, you know, I had friends coming up to me and say, "Hey, what's up with this Iron Man guy? Uh-huh. Who, I've never heard of him before." You know, cut to a year after that, everyone knows Everybody Iron Man. Knows. My parents know Iron Man. <laughs> now, um, well, before Guardians of the Galaxy came out, Thor was my mom's favorite movie. Um, <laughs> you know, and you know, That's so cute. All, all it took was that you know, ten second shot of uh, Chris Hemsworth with his shirt off in the of first Thor movie for my mom to be a fan. <laughs> of <course>. Right, <laughs> but. But th- but she likes the Marvel movies, you know. They're, she loved Guardians. My dad loved Guardians. They're fun, infectious things, you know, that allow people to do what we've been doing for years and years already. I yeah. mean, you know, they're 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 captive because again, Marvel books were always populated by really strong personalities and personality types, and not to get too too far off topic. Although this is still part of the topic, you know, Robert Downey Jr. If you if you were at all aware of who Iron Man was, Tony Stark, and all that. Robert Downey Jr. is, was, has always been, he's just, that's that's Tony Stark. Boom. Mm-hmm. That's why that worked so well, because you're rarely going to see casting that perfect. He was so, almost like he, like he was playing himself. Seriously. At a certain point. You know, like, Christopher Reeve was the perfect Superman, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is the perfect Iron Man, mm-hmm. and then other ones, you know, to varying degrees, you know, I still, I think, Tobey Maguire still a great Spider-Man. I'm okay with both him and Andrew Garfield, but like neither of those really. I, I feel like they both bring something. <clears throat> yeah. You know, classic to the table. Right, and and you know, and most of the, you know, I'm not in charge of the casting, so it doesn't really matter. But that said, Robert Downey Jr. was the catalyst for Iron Man becoming the figurehead for Marvel, which is, and that says a lot because really, from almost his inception, Spider-Man was the face of Marvel Comics, and in my mind, he still is, no matter what else is happening. Right. But it says a lot that Iron Man was became so popular that, you know, and, and Marvel, not stupid, Marvel being the corporate entity that it is, you know, as a, as a, as a entity of Disney, and Disney being the entity that it is, they know what they have as far as the cash cow that is Iron Man. But I often wonder, what does that say psychologically about America, that we embraced Spider-Man because he was Peter Parker and Peter Parker was this schnooky little guy <laughs> and, and you know he was a smart guy and he's mm-hmm. funny but he had you know issues and problems and he's trying to overcome like we saw more of ourselves in Peter Parker and now we see more of ourselves I guess in Tony Stark and you know he's a rich billionaire smartass I think I think that's like the fantasy Peter Parker's the reality mm-hmm. like we're all broke. We're all looking for jobs. <laughs> we all have family problems. We all have someone, you know, we all have, like, someone we like who doesn't return the same feelings. Tony Stark's got it all. He's got, he's smart. He's funny. He's got the women. He's got the money. Um, now he's got Iron Man armor. I mean, he can do, There, it's like there's nothing he can't do, and that's like, it, it's like the fantasy, you know? Yeah. It's like... I, and I don't want to say the male fantasy because a lot of women love Iron Man, but like to take it in a, a different direction, but to further to kind of illustrate my point, the show Entourage on HBO was like the male fantasy mm-hmm. because it was okay. about a bunch of buddies from who knew each other like way back from they were kids, now living the life in Hollywood, money, women, fame, 
that's like this that's like the male fantasy. It wasn't it was not a great show. I mean like the first couple of seasons were okay. I I watched the entire thing. I didn't think it I thought it got worse rather than get better. Mm. But I still watched it because again, it was the male fantasy. Sure. And that's I think it, a little of that translates to Iron Man where it's like it's like, "Oh my gosh, how awesome would that be if I had brains and money Stark. and looks and yeah." But it is Powers. interesting kind of like piggybacking on what you're saying about how they they decided to, you know, Marvel Studios decided to start with Iron Man to build their cinematic universe rather than, like, okay, so they couldn't use Spider-Man, that went to Sony, Mm -hmm. they couldn't use the X-Men, that was at Fox. Couldn't use Fantastic Four. Right, they couldn't use Fantastic Four, so they started with Iron Man rather than, say, like, maybe, like, Captain America. Captain America. You would think that might be... Psychologically. You would think Captain America would be a logical choice, but they really took a risk and, I mean, to their credit, and they, they hit it out of the park. With, I mean, I mean, I don't think anybody would have expected Iron Man to do to to be the catalyst that it was. No, no. I mean, and we were excited because we were fanboys. It's like, wow, an Iron Man movie. Okay, I'm sure it'll be fun. Maybe it won't suck too much. You know. <laughs> it well, and it was it was a special thing. You know, like I, I it it is, and and I gotta say, he's a galvanizing presence. Like from what I've read. Robert Downey Jr. is one of the few people in related to the Marvel movies who can kind of sort of get what he wants and do what he wants. You know, like they're they're more far more strict and what I've read cheap than you would believe. Mm-hmm. You know, in regards to their expenditures and how they treat people. Robert Downey Jr. though remains accepted. Like I, they see him, they understand that he's kind of the thing that they just have to have him. Right. But He's that, irreplaceable. Yeah, it's like, so if you're Terrence Howard and you step out of line, well, now we got Don Cheadle. Yep. If you're Ed Norton and you step out of line, well, now we got Mark Ruffalo. So only, you know, very few people are replaceable. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry yeah, are irreplaceable. irreplaceable. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, because I've even speculated, like, well, so what do they do at some point? Because he can't be Tony Stark forever. He just can't. You know, do they... Well, at some point, will they reboot the Marvel Cinematic? And that's way down the line. But, you know, you're dealing with human beings now. Yeah. You're not dealing with characters on paper. Well, we were talking about this. Um, I I have the privilege of working at a comic book store, which is awesome. Um, Live the dream. I know, you know. Um, but we were talking about this last night a little bit, that supposedly um, the last Avenger movies are going to be Chris Evans' last... Mm. Now, after he does Captain America 3 and the rest of his Avengers movies, that'll be it for him as Captain America. Now, will they, at that point, replace Captain America? You know, in the comics, you know, Bucky's been Captain America. Right. Falcon's been Captain America. Will they do that? Will they find another actor? Or will they just say, well, let's focus on another aspect of the, of the Marvel Universe. Will they keep expanding? Right. And then the question becomes... How far can you expand before it gets watered down? Before people start to lose interest? Like, will you get, you know, I'm sure you'll get some mileage out of, I mean, out of an Ant-Man movie, out of a Doctor Strange movie, out of a Black Panther movie. Will you get any mileage out of a Cloak and Dagger movie? You know, like, how far can you go? Although Marvel, you know, I think they're in an interesting place because 
you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. That's like that's the one to go. Nobody, nobody knew what that thing was. You know, like no, that was that went from basically zero to the big hit. I think that was the one that the critics and you know expected. Like, okay, this is where the bubble is going to burst. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy is that they've gone too far. You know, they with this, you know, with their uh, universe, this is where they come back to Earth. No pun intended. I, I don't know if you saw Saturday Night Live did a really funny skit on this. Did you see no. this? Have you heard of this? No. It was it was really funny. It was um, they did it was like a movie, uh, like a trailer they shot it as, which basically said Marvel's at a point where they could just pick anything and make a movie out of it. So they picked like five random words out of the out of the dictionary, <laughs> and it was all of them were shot like the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. So you had your like five random characters on a bus, and then they're walking down a <laughs> hall like the characters on Guardians of the Galaxy, like that that shot like the right stuff mm-hmm. and they just kept doing that but you know that that was a joke but you know I've, I've heard it said when when you find a thing funny search it for a hidden truth mm-hmm. and there's some kind of some truth I think to that because and and I'm going to bring this back around to the, the I guess last topic or whatever for for this although we could go on and talk about this forever <laughs> but you know in the popularity game we, so we've got Ant-Man the movie coming up mm-hmm. now Ant-Man isn't on either of these lists as I recall Yet, because now when this, I've had people say, people who I've known all my life, who've been, I know, love some comics, say, why are they making an Ant Man movie? And that seems to be the current refrain. You know, the cover of the current Entertainment Weekly is devoted to Ant Man, and in the article they talk about that. Some of the people starring in the movie when they were approached to be in it thought Ant Man. I got to tell you, from the moment I, I heard about that, I thought that's brilliant. I'm glad they're doing it because. It's not about good and bad characters necessarily. It's like it's having the right approach to a character. Mm-hmm. I that movie is going to be far more successful, I think, than people suspected. And I think Marvel's kind of smart in searching for another underdog now, yeah. and and putting that out there. And people are going to see it. They're going to be surprised how good it is, how much they like it. My everything I've read about it suggests they're they're going for characterization, which is the thing for a Marvel movie, for any movie, but especially for a Marvel movie, yeah. superhero movie. And you just watch Ant-Man, because the character's been around over 50 years, been around since the inception of the Avengers. It'll start appearing on these greatest heroes lists, because Ant-Man's going to be seen as kind of sort of a comeback kid. And in the opposite direction, so now we get to the the top three characters on both of these lists were the same. And I don't yeah. think I'm spoiling anything. <laughs> if, this is, if this is a spoiler alert for you, well... <laughs> Welcome to Comics 101. Yeah, you, here. You, yeah, you haven't been, <laughs> yeah, you haven't been around too long. Yeah, take like if you're listening to this, think of who you think the top three superheroes would be because, like I said, even on the top, the greatest characters list is the same. Think of who they would be. I'm gonna give you a second here. It's them. It's <laughs> Superman and, and Spider-Man and Batman. The order was a little different, just a little, just slightly. I mean, Batman was number one for both lists. Mm-hmm. And then Spider-Man and Superman flip-flopped. Right. And I have a theory about this, and this is my theory. Everybody who knows Marcel knows I'm a Superman guy. <laughs> but I think I think even objectively this holds true. I think it's almost like Superman can't really be number one because he's not cool enough to be number one. You know, like, it's just Batman's cool, so he can be number one. Superman can, even though I think Superman's really number one. But regardless... <laughs> In my mind, any iteration of those three in that position, that's correct. Yeah. 
because I think it always distills down to that. Um, you know, Wonder Woman placed in the top ten of both lists, and 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 you know, in talking to Wayne before, he said, you know, on on the fifty greatest superheroes list, it goes Batman one, Superman two, Spider Man three. Then you had Captain America at four and Wonder Woman at five. I would, you know, I would even broaden it out a little bit with those five and say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like all five of those are your your most iconic primal characters. But if it's three, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, it has to be. Because I feel like they achieve all of the objectives that you need to be the most iconic and the greatest and the best of all time. You know, there's they pass the longevity test by far. You know, they pass the popularity test. They pass uh, the, the importance test and, and influence. And, and, you know, they've, they've all jumped across media yeah well, and across cultures I mean their you know their brand is almost an ambassador you could probably go to almost any city or country in the world wearing a Batman t-shirt mm-hmm. or a Superman t-shirt someone's gonna know someone, you might not speak the same language but someone will point at that shirt and say they know that. Superman yep. Batman. I mean you know that so that you know I think that's important that it's like these characters have crossed so many uh, just barriers mm-hmm. and uh, Done so many things. I mean, they're yeah. They just it's it's almost like they're they're just next level. They're they're beyond they're beyond being superheroes. It's like they at this point you shouldn't even bother putting them on a list because they're always going to be there. Yeah. It's like they should just have like some status above these types of lists. If there's a Mount Rushmore of superheroes, you know those are three of the faces going on it. Yeah. You know, it's been said that. Next to only the Christian cross, the Superman S insignia is the most recognized like symbol in the world. I've heard that, yeah. I I believe that. You know, mm. I that makes total sense to me. You know, mm. and for <laughs> and I am admittedly a Superman person, but in my mind, like from what I've observed, that's a character that has like more recognition factor than any any when you think well it's from his name I mean we get the word superhero from Superman mm-hmm. so you know that's the most primal of the superheroes you know and and, and um we've we've kind of addressed this topic but with with all of these characters it's, but it's, especially when you're talking about the greatest of all time of history I think originality has to be a factor like when you go back to when this particular character was conceived of was there anything like it at the time Mm -hmm. and with the big you know with Superman Batman Spider-Man nope and you know Superman number one no like that that's hero one that's the beginning that's that's where it started yeah Genesis the alpha Mm -hmm. and then Batman is you know the first of the iterations of that theme, you know, really, really, I mean, there was other superheroes, but mm-hmm. Batman's the first one where you, they went, hey, what if this, but that, and you know, and you can do that kind of with every character, it's like you take that Superman template and you go, what if it was a woman, or what if it was, you know, what if we used mythology instead of sci-fi, yeah. what if, what if he had an awful childhood as opposed to a great childhood, right, <laughs> right, exactly, which, if you've read Irredeemable, you know how that plays out. Yikes. <laughs> not good. <laughs> not, not, yeah, not good. Or, you know, what if insta- his secret identity is a child instead of an adult? And just all these, these variations. Um, the original Captain Marvel, 
aka the Shazam Captain Marvel. I believe he's on both of the lists. I believe so. Um, I bring that up because, you know, that's a character I feel like has been, again, has been vastly underutilized. We have to keep in mind, you know, when, when that character was in its prime and its heyday, Captain Marvel comics outsold Superman comics. So, you know, if you're looking at the histories and comparing them, he passes a lot of those tests, but he, you know, ultimately kind of fails, falls down on the longevity test mm-hmm. because you know, he's even though he's been in publication still for decades, but it's not as well known as Superman. Um, the thing to keep in mind is that can change. You know, all you need is one really solid iteration. It could be in comics. It could it could be in another media. It could yeah. be that big Shazam movie. Because you're never going to get that character in a Captain Marvel movie because Marvel's got a lock on that <laughs> and they've got their own Captain Marvel. As well they should. Because inter- she, she's on the 50 greatest list. Yeah, and, and she's potentially going to have her own movie. Shazam is potentially going to have his own movie. So I want those movies to come out the same day. <laughs> well, it, it's just like, it, it's so strange to me. It's like we're in a, a golden age now of comic book media just in general I mean just I mean the the fact that we have the TV shows that we have the the movies uh, just and and, and then it's the stuff is mainstream now Mm -hmm. I mean you just can't get away from it you know the fact that there were these two lists out there you know in the world the 50 greatest the 100 greatest Anything related to comics having this degree of, of recognition and popularity, even now, still sort of blows my mind. Because when I was like 12, 13, you know, I, I liked it. A number of people I knew. I had friends and family who also read comics mm-hmm. and liked comics. It's not that I didn't know anybody was into them. But by and large, it was already a niche culture, you know. Yeah. And, and so now to see these characters springing out into, into greater recognition makes me really happy <laughs> you know for obvious reasons yeah. um, you know I hope that continues and I, I, I hope in the future you know future iterations of these lists will they they will include other characters and other other mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe Susie from Sex Criminals will deserve to be on that list at some point yeah absolutely and, and there's just no no telling what the future holds as far as I mean at this point like I'm not I'm I'm unsurprised by nothing now right and you know that you know we, we always have these conversations at you know you know um, on the show or at you know, like at the comic book store like did you ever think in your entire life you would see a Guardians of the mm-hmm. Galaxy movie or a S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show and now it's like we can't even we just have stopped having those conversations because you just like I'm not surprised now. I mean, there was an ep- okay. So on the debut episode of the Flash TV show, when before the show had even come out, when the trailer for the show had come out, they show the character and he just says what he's going to do, and then he does it. He says, "There's a tornado," and he looks at the tornado and he goes, "What if I run around it counterclockwise to cancel it out?" And I just felt my brain sort of dislocate for a moment because, you know, that was. Superhero Comics 101. That's what the Flash does, mm-hmm. and the fact that they just put it out there. There you go. This is him. This is this is like primal Flash stuff. 
in an episode of the Arrow show, which I have less charitable feelings about, but I still watch it because I'm a fan and what you're going <laughs> to do. And they do a lot of things right on yeah. it. But there's the one episode where the character was fighting somebody, and <laughs> there's like all this boxing equipment I, know what, I, I knew what you were going to say. Yeah, and he took an arrow, and he jammed it into a boxing glove, and he shot the guy with a boxing glove arrow. And, and, and it happened so fast, I didn't think it was coming until they did it. Yeah. And that is so old school comics, but it's just there. But, like, and, and the way they did it wasn't comic booky. It was no. very real world. It wasn't like if you can a imagine that <laughs> popped out of the arrowhead like it does in the comics. It was like, okay, that made sense. He was improvising. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. But it's still, but it, it was such a beautiful callback to that character in the comics that it's like, yeah, it's like that. You, you just. Like it, it felt good. Yeah. Like it felt good in my heart. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I got a, felt a little tear running down my, you know, down my cheek. <laughs> you know. And I don't know if anybody who's who's not as into comics can appreciate that because yes, it's those are those moments that you know across the country, across the world, all the other people that are like yeah. you had that same that was reaction. Just, that was just for us. Mm-hmm. That was just for the fans, and and that's what we get. You know, it's. That, that's what's really cool about... I mean, it's like, I don't mind the stuff being in the mainstream. I'm not one of those people like, oh, well, I liked it first, and how right. dare you. I, I have no... You know, what I like is those little nuggets that only I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll try and... You know, maybe if I maybe I feel like explaining it to someone, maybe I don't. doesn't, you know. But either way, eh, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, down the line... Maybe we'll get to see even more of that because you know all these characters started off, you know, they start off as somebody's favorite. They start off as some small notion and they catch on, and you know maybe we'll see new characters on the list and you know genuinely make the cut. I think you know Mount Rushmore more is Mount Mount Rushmore. That's not going to change. It's like you know you're always going to have those faces carved in stone. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of foolish for anybody to create a character and think that this character will one day have the the resonance and the immediacy of Superman, Batman. Like, probably not. Just because what those characters mean to the world, there's no real way to duplicate that in the same media. Yeah, because those those characters are not going anywhere. No, never. They're never going anywhere. Um, you know, a hundred years from now, there will most likely still be. Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, that doesn't mean you shouldn't. People shouldn't try, and oh, you no, never no, no, know. No, and you know, just I mean, you know, in that that the greater philosophical sense, you know, if you've got if you've got anybody out there who cares that deeply about your work, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter, I guess, if you make a list like that or not. As long as somebody out there considers your character the greatest, well, you know, that's all you need to care about. That said, I want a character on that list one day. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a pretty good place to stop. I think I think we I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, same here. We did a lot of good work today. Yeah, feeling good. Good job. <laughs> good made job the world a better place. That's I like right. It. <laughs> well, thanks, Dan. Well, thank you, Marcel. I really appreciate it, and hopefully, we'll we'll have you back on. I, I, I don't think you have a choice now. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I'm going to post the links to these two lists in the uh, the show notes for this episode. Uh, you know, we encourage you to check the lists out. If you agree, disagree, or have any other thoughts about what we said today, you know, shoot us a, 
a message on you know Facebook or send us an email. Let us know. And uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. See you, Internet. <laughs>